It is the Lockdown Bengals Podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Today we've got a segment from Joe on yesterday's training camp, followed by news and analysis on today's training camp from me. As you'll find out, Joe and I have contrary work schedules this week. We'll be back together tomorrow with special guest Danny Kelly. Before I play Joe's clip, a reminder to go find the podcast on the Himalaya Podcast app, on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts or on Spotify. Give us a like, give us a subscribe. Let us know what you like or don't like about the podcast. Without further ado, let's get into Joe's segment of today's episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. This is the Lockdown Bengals podcast. It's just Joe for this segment as Jake and I have conflicting schedules. He'll take another segment. I'll take one. We might do this a few times, but uh, man, it's the, did you know today is while I'm recording it is World Tiger Day? That has to be good luck, right? That has to be the first time the Bengals are going to get good luck so far this training camp. But there is good news to go with that. Um, the world has only about 4,000 tigers left in the wild. The majority of them are in India, where the population of Bengal tigers is growing despite human conflict. It's up 33% right now. Tigers are on the comeback, guys. And it's Monday while I'm recording this, so the Lockdown Bengals podcast is supported by Manscaped. Who is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming? You may have seen them on Shark Tank. Manscaping offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code LOCKDOWN at manscaped.com. That's 20% at manscaped.com with the promo code LOCKDOWN. It is Manscaped Monday, boys. Take care of yourself. Some quick news for you while I'm recording here. AJ Green just wheeled into the Bengals locker room on a scooter. He has a boot on his left foot, but there is still no official word from the Bengals on his injury timeline. Despite the reports from yesterday, the Bengals are still saying um, he's getting a second opinion and they're hoping for the best. Also, the New Era Bengals official 2019 sideline cap is out. You can find that uh, on Twitter if you go to their page, and I think it looks pretty cool. It's got a Bengals logo. It's got the B. And the only thing I don't like is the B's on the side there. It says Bengals. But it's got 1968 on the side. So I think that's pretty cool. I might pick up one of those. I could use a new Bengals hat at this point. Also today in Bengals content out there on the internet, Moegger wrote a good piece on The Athletic basically saying the only real change to this franchise and roster, well, major change, I guess, is Zach Taylor. And all the burden falls on him to produce more than what Marvin Lewis did, basically. And I thought it was a pretty good piece and an interesting perspective. Um, Also, um, a couple other things saying that one of the guys we profiled for the the countdown to kickoff, O'Shea Dugas, right, undrafted rookie tackle, is apparently the first tackle off the bench right now at left tackle. And so uh, that's not great to see. Also that uh, Christian Westerman 
was having pre-snap issues, false starts and, and things of that such. And coaches saw enough, apparently, sending the entire offense off and bringing the number ones back on after this. So, And this was Westerman and Jordan Frank's back-to-back plays. Uh, so, uh, no, I'm sorry, it was Ethan Carter and, and, and Westerman. So they you know, got replaced real quickly and, and swapped them out. So if you're wondering why Westerman's not playing more and why John Jerry is, that could be part of it. At least that's... Man, what a change from last year, though, right? I mean, how many you had right tackle, right guard killing you? How many, how many penalties there? And it seemed like they were irreplaceable, and the Bengals would look past it. So you do hope that maybe a little sterner staff here, or maybe a shorter fuse staff that doesn't care for those pre-snap penalties, will uh, yank these guys a little quicker, and maybe that'll get the message across pretty quickly for this this team and the offensive line, especially. The guy I'm really interested in that seems to be catching a lot of buzz um, because now we're looking at the receiving group, right? It sounds like Josh Malone is is playing with the ones. He looked quick. There was a couple of uh, clips yesterday that I thought I thought Malone looked quick in and out of his break better than I've ever seen him. And the other one was Auden Tate, who seems to have trimmed up a little bit. He was around 230 when he was drafted. Um, he looks shredded and cut. His shoulders are, are strong and big the way I, I always imagined he did look, but... Uh, I could see the, def- the difference in his in quickness and his footwork there. So, uh, also the guy Damian Willis. We haven't talked about him yet on this podcast. I don't know anything about him, and I'm sure we'll learn when we get to his number on Countdown to Kickoff. But it sounds like he's making plays there, and he, hopefully that means he gets rotated in more. You look around the league, and these teams find undrafted receivers all the time, and it feels like it's been a long time for the Bengals. I know Alex Erickson's on the roster, but he's mainly a return man. Sure, he can help a little bit on, on uh, as a um, backup slot guy, but even Erickson I've been interested in because it seems like he is uh, not getting like the de facto number four reps. Like He's not automatically walking out there. It is Auden Tate, and it is Cody Core, and it is Josh Malone. I thought they would just insert Erickson and, and keep it moving. But uh, Damian Willis, so apparently he caught a pass on, on Drake Kirkpatrick. He caught a pass on William Jackson, which if you're an undrafted guy, you're catching passes against these the two starting corners. You can do it against Bengals. You can do it against anyone at that point. So it'll be interesting to watch him and see if he can continue that into preseason games. How much the hype is there? Can he beat out some of these guys? What's his impact on special teams? So a lot of questions still. I know he's about 6'3", 205. Uh, again, I don't know much more than that. I, he's somebody I'm going to look up and see if there's any film from college and, and see if there's anything we can work off of there. But really, just hearing good thing, positive reports after two days is uh, at least one thing to look forward to. But that's it for the roundup. One of the things I wanted to uh, touch on for the second half of the segment is, uh, I guess, fan reaction to players getting injured. Uh, I, I think we've seen it plenty of times for Tyler Eifert, where fans are become at first you feel bad I guess and then you see a a chunk of the fan base start to turn on the player uh say some awful things nasty things and I don't know what the where you have to be to get to that point where you feel uh the player owes you something maybe or that he's stealing money I guess but the the comments range from a lot of things but yesterday I got one on Twitter that I thought was pretty wild it was when do we cut AJ Green he can't stay healthy other people have any has anyone noticed AJ Green can't stay healthy or um, you know it's time to get rid of him yada yada and I just I think you know when you see it with John Ross because he can't stay healthy right he's injured right now or at least he's he's got a tight hammy right now you see a lot of weird takes from fans about it 
And then when it hits to A.J. Green, yeah, he's been injured. He's missed basically a full season over the last three and a half years, going on four year now. Year four is he's going to miss some time, it looks like, this year. Uh, but at the same time, it's not like these guys aren't trying to stay healthy. You see the emotion on A.J. Green's face when he does get hurt. You see how upset he is. You see the reaction from his teammates and the people that cover him, and they're, you know, they they feel sick for him. And yet there's fans that feel a complete different way about it. Instead of feeling bad or or you know upset that you don't get to watch him, it's more of like he's stealing a paycheck or hurting the roster or or hurting the team. And yes, you hurt the team when you're not out there, but it's not by choice. This isn't something where he is dropping passes. This is, you know, in my opinion, the way fans handle it, if like if you're if you're hurt or injured or constantly hurt or it's a repetitive situation, fans take that as the biggest crime a player can commit. Sometimes, like they're ready to throw these guys out, out off the team if they can't stay healthy. When I think, you know, I, I think it's because it gets just hammered into their head, and it's coach speak, and I hate it. It's one of, it's one of my least favorite sayings in all of football, and there's a lot of them. But the best ability is availability. It's just not true. It is not true. The best ability is ability. You know, you're not going to take Alex Erickson for 16 games because he's healthy over A.J. Green for 12 games because Alex Erickson, Erickson can't do what A.J. Green does. You try Eric Erickson out there for, for those 12 games uh, that, that A.J. Green's out there instead, and you are worse offense because of it. Now, sure, you want to have quality depth, and that's the part of it. I think that's the part that we're all hoping for for Zach Taylor, right? And and this personnel staff, too, is that you can bring in other people to replace them, have quality depth, because I think depth's been an issue. But I think part of the depth issue is that the Bengals coaching staff in previous years haven't been able to keep the, the, the machine moving when they lose a key piece. You look at the best offenses in the league, they lose a guy, they, they still know how to run the ball. They still find ways to manufacture a passing offense. They still find a way to protect the quarterback. In previous years with the Bengals, they would lose a guy or two, and the offense completely derails at that point, even on defense. Montez perfect, right? So I, I think I think that's the hope or like maybe the true test, early test for Zach Taylor. It's can you take what you have on the roster, Turn the unknown at depth receiver because I think it is a lot of unknown. I'm so, I was just saying Alex Erickson is the de facto number four, but Malone's got talent. Tate's got talent. Cody Core has raw talent. I don't think he looks like a good receiver, but he apparently he's been working on it. There was a piece on that too. I think Jeff Hobson wrote it, uh, where he worked out all summer working on on different um, attributes and, and and different skills. But point being is, it, other teams will get production out of thing. I think out of one or two of these guys in replacement. And it may not be good production. You're not going to get the same production as A.J. Green, obviously. You're not going to get the same impact as A.J. Green. But a good coach or somebody or or a team or staff that can overcome these type of injuries is, I think, what we're looking for. Because what does everyone say about the Bengals for 2019? You can say, oh, they got this guy, that guy. I like him here. I don't like him there. Whatever. Everyone says the same thing. If they stay healthy. If the Cincinnati Bengals stay healthy in 2019, they'll be good. They want to camp. We're not healthy anymore. They want to camp. We're like we realize very quickly, and I think all off season we go, yeah, if we stay healthy, if we stay healthy, everyone will repeat it. But injuries are going to happen. They will happen. Some of your best players are going to be missing this year. And with the Bengals, it's been constantly the same guys getting injured. But you're going to miss some of those guys this year. You're going to miss some key starters throughout big games. 
It's going to happen. How do you overcome it? How does this coaching staff uh, do better than what Marvin Lewis did with the same pieces? Because it is really largely the same pieces on the roster, as Mo Egger wrote today for The Athletic. But I guess the overall point here that I want to make is that um, let's not jump on the players instantly for getting hurt, right? Let's instead put the pressure on the staff in replacing them, getting production, finding a way to make it through those games despite losing these players. Because let's be honest, they're not healthy. And we've said if they remain healthy, they'll be a decent team. They're not healthy. So the the, the pressure's on and... Already, we need to see how these how this staff performs or makes adjustments or what their plan is without their superstar player on offense. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back to the Locked On Bengals podcast. It's just Jake here on out. Got some updates from today's practice at training camp, today being Monday, July 29th. A few players were back at practice today after either missing practices up until this point or leaving practice yesterday with potential injuries that we thought were maybe worse than they turned out to be. Jordan Brown, the seventh-round pick, was back today. Stanley Morgan, the undrafted free agent who was sitting on a cart for parts of practice yesterday, was back at practice. And Noah Dawkins, the linebacker who we recently talked about on the Countdown to Kickoff series, was activated off of the non-football injury list. All those guys were back at practice. However, John Ross and Billy Price were not back at practice According to Jay Morrison and Joe Sheeran, they were working on the rehab field. Jay of The Athletic called it a promotion or progress to the rehab field instead of just watching practice or walking through. So we'll take that to be a positive sign. In his post-practice interview, Zach Taylor said that John Ross's day-to-day, this was also reported by Lindsey Patterson, Jeff Hobson recently wrote on Bengals.com that he could be out for up to two weeks. So this is based on what Zach Taylor said yesterday. Zach Taylor called him, quote unquote, truly day to day, meaning as soon as his hamstring feels good, they'll get him back out there. Today was another walkthrough practice in half pads. He said tomorrow will be a more robust practice. The next two days, full practices, full pads. Hitting, especially in the trenches, in in the blocking game in particular. But tackling will not take players all the way to the ground. Uh, He said that that will come later in camp. So that is what you can expect tomorrow. And finally, the update on AJ Green today was that there is no update today. Zach Taylor said that they're waiting to hear from a doctor and hopes to have an update tomorrow. So to reiterate, we currently know that he's out for six to eight weeks And currently, there is no surgery scheduled for A.J. Green. It could be that we're waiting to find out if surgery is required. And if if, if it is required, we'll have to find out how that will change the timeline. As Joe mentioned earlier, he was back around the team today. He was in the locker room on a scooter. But information is largely dried up as far as we can tell. There's nothing coming out from national media or from the Bengals at this point. Just waiting for that update which Zach Taylor has said is going to potentially come tomorrow and I will note here I said I was surprised on Twitter that yesterday Zach Taylor committed to an update today for AJ Green committing to an update generally on injuries for players I think is rare for coaches because you never know when you're going to get the information from the doctor or what have you however he again today doubled down and said you know what tomorrow we're going to hopefully have all the information we'll need from the doctors and we'll have a better update for you so we can look forward to that 
Along those same lines, reporters consistently and continuously are asking Zach Taylor, and I think he must be sick of it at this point, about the turf in Dayton. This is a continued point that's being belabored in Cincinnati media and was kicked up again today because Dayton Public Schools reacted to the Bengals' criticism of Welcome Field or Welcome Stadium after Tyler Boyd called it out as a place that they should not have been. Again, people were asking today, would you go back to Dayton? Do you think Dayton is there, you know, and, and Taylor continues to say he would do it again. He appreciated going up there and engaging with fans that they don't always see. And he reiterated that he doesn't believe that the turf was the cause of AJ Green's injury. We might never know that for sure. It might be a coach just trying to talk down hysteria. Um, but I, for one, buy into it. I think it was a contact injury from what we saw on the tape. Or maybe he just landed poorly. And if you land poorly, well, if, you're, if your foot lands on the wrong angle, it's going to land on the wrong angle regardless on the surface you're on. Unless he landed on like a, a medium-sized rock, which sounds like it certainly wasn't the case. It didn't look like he slipped. It looked like he landed awkwardly. And that's it. This also is probably coming up because Adam Schefter reported on certain Bengals staff blaming the the turf for Green's injury or saying they shouldn't have been there. And of course, Boyd's comments. But hopefully we can just put this to bed because I think we're all sick of talking about Welcome Stadium at this point. Some other notes today. Very interesting ones, I should say, coming out from Paul Brown Stadium. Uh, Our friend John Sheeran, who will be on the podcast tomorrow night, I believe, was at training camp today. And the first thing he tweeted is that Josh Malone fumbled a kickoff return. Now, you never want to hear about players fumbling the ball in training camp, but Josh Malone apparently getting work in the kickoff return game. In addition to that, according to John, in the red zone, the outside receivers are Cody Core and Josh Malone. It sounds like they were keeping Tyler Boyd working in the slot. So when they would go to 12 personnel, it was Cody Core, Josh Malone, and then Uzama and Eifert, or Eifert and uh, Sample, or some combination of the tight ends. Another grouping that he saw was Auden Tate, Stanley Morgan, Alex Erickson, and Drew Sample. This sounds like the second team right now, which of course, with two receivers missing, is probably in reality the third team, at least with Auden Tate and Stanley Morgan out there. But I think it's a good point, or, or worth mentioning, that it's nice to see Auden Tate and Stanley Morgan getting some additional work with the twos. And, and currently still the number two quarterback is Jeff Driscoll. Number three is a rookie Ryan Finley. And number four is Jake Dolagala. In terms of who is working out with what string today, Christian Westerman was back working with the ones today, according to Jeff Hobson and other reporters. And this kind of verifies my initial take on the situation, which was that I'm not going to freak out unless John Jerry is the number one guard, you know, up until the first preseason game or for more than just a couple of days. It sounds like they've got a rotation in full effect. John Jerry, he had, he did an interview with Dan Horde yesterday. That's up on Bengals.com. You can hear him say he's just here to battle. He's here to fight for a starting position. It sounds like he's been welcomed into that OL room. So that's nice to hear. And it's nice to see Christian Westerman getting a shot. It's nice to see that this might be a true competition. This is what we've all asked for. And if Westerman loses in a true competition, and this will be judged, I think, largely on his performance in preseason games, where he's always been very good, then it's okay. If if John Jerry outplays Christian Westerman, we have to be okay with it. But we can then, of course, raise an issue if 
Westerman outperforms Jerry in the preseason games as he has in the past, meaning he's great and better when he's been on the field than John Jerry has throughout his career. But John Jerry's been a serviceable player, and so if he wins the job, he wins the job, and we have to be okay with that. Other interesting notes along the offensive line today was that Michael Jordan was working at center with the second team today. This is because Trey Hopkins is working with the first unit, but I'm surprised at least regardless that he's a center instead of guard as a rookie. This is another rookie who is going to be thrust into the center position as a backup. I'm sure he'll get work at all the positions, but I'm surprised that his first spot was at center. Now at right guard them with the second team, which is where you might expect him to be or Trey Hopkins to be with the second team. If Jordan is going to continue to work at center was Keaton Sutherland, an undrafted free agent tackle from Texas A&M, who I guess is now transitioning to, to guard in the NFL. This was one of Coach Turner's guys. He coached him at A&M. It's not surprising to me to see, to see that he's getting reps with the second team. However, it is noteworthy that O'Shea Dugas and Kent Perkins were getting reps with the second team at tackle. That second team at tackle really gives you some cause for concern. You'd like their depth on the interior with Hopkins, John Jerry, Christian Westerman, and rookie Michael Jordan. But when you start to get to Keaton Sutherland, Kent Perkins, O'Shea Dugas, these are all undrafted guys. They have like six undrafted guys there. Three of them are working with the second team. O'Shea Dugas and Kent Perkins look like they're going to make the team at this point, or at least one of the two. And you're talking about an, an undrafted free agent being the first left tackle off the bench, as he was for Cordy Glenn yesterday when he false started and he came off the field. So that is the basic update of some of the noteworthy things going on at Bengals camp today. Michael Jordan working at center, Christian Westerman with the ones, Keaton Sutherland at backup right guard, all of the receivers working in rotation essentially, but Boyd mostly working out of the slot according to John Sheeran. So we'll have to see how comfortable this coaching staff is with playing him outside as well. We've gone through the injury updates I think the biggest news today is that Westerman got a shot with the ones and we'll see if that continues into the full padded practice tomorrow. We'll see how that continues throughout training camp if they're truly rotating or if it's a true competition. I think that's what we all want to see. I will also be interested to see how tackling ends up incorporated into the training camp practices while they are not going to be tackling all the way to the ground for the next two days. It was an area of concern. It was an issue area for the Bengals last year. Anyway, I'm going to take a quick break. I'm going to come back and continue the Countdown to Kickoff series with summaries of Clayton Fedulum and Trayvon Henderson, a pair of safeties, a pair of backup safeties, who the Bengals, I think, really like. After a quick word from our sponsors, I'll be right back. Guys, let's talk about sex. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up as twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Let me tell you, we get free samples, and if you think Marshawn Lynch has a good stiff arm, you've seen nothing yet. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com 
and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code Locked On. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code Locked On to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the Locked On Bengals podcast. Welcome back to the Locked On Bengals podcast. Real quick note here before I get into the countdown to kickoff. Go check out CincyJungle.com. Go follow John Sheeran on Twitter for training camp updates. They have some good stuff going there. Also over on Pro Football Focus for those of you who do the fantasy football thing. There is an article up on the fantasy fallout for Tyler Boyd specifically of AJ Green's injury and what they think you can expect for Tyler Boyd in those week or two or three or however long A.J. Green is going to miss this year. Without further ado, the countdown to kickoff today. We are 41 days away from kickoff. Yesterday was exactly six weeks from kickoff, and we've got to catch up with the 42nd player on the list, and that is Clayton Fedulin. He was a spot starter for the Bengals last year. He's mostly a special teams player and a second string safety, a seventh round pick in 2016 out of Illinois. But he's been really good for the Bengals in spot snap duty against Indianapolis in particular. You'll remember that he had nine tackles. He forced a fumble, recovered it, took it back. He recorded a couple more stops. He missed a single tackle, but generally was excellent in that game. Had a really good coverage grade as well. Only gave up two receptions on four targets for uh, 12, or sorry, 19 yards in that game. Really good game against the Colts. Then he comes back, has to play significant snaps against Pittsburgh in week six. Graded out really well again, according to Pro Football Focus. And then in spot duty throughout the year, he's grading, you know, roughly above average to a season grade of 89 overall, 88.9 overall. So really, really solid grades for Fedulum overall, especially in coverage and tackling. He missed, what was it? I think two tackles all year on 22 tackle attempts. So pretty good tackle grade from pro football focus in that regard. And in addition to that, he might be the best special teams player on the Bengals with three straight years of good grading from Pro Football Focus as a special teamer, really playing in all phases of special teams. He has, in three years, 1,059 special team snaps, including 741 in the last two years combined by themselves. So Clayton Fedulum is a guy that Pro Football Focus has said they want to see more of. Some fun facts on Fedulum. He was also a wrestler and lacrosse player in high school and was an all-state player as a senior. So pretty highly recruited, highly sought after um, recruit going to Illinois, staying in Illinois where he went to high school just south of Chicago, has been a major contributor for the Bengals. You feel really good about him being your third safety, I think. And that was one of the reasons that the Bengals were comfortable releasing George Iloka last year. I think we all agree that he's a sure thing to make the team as he's a special teams leader and a really solid backup. If you look at Joe Goodberry's article on The Athletic last year, which I think would see some modest improvements to Fedulum's grade, he's an above average to average athlete. He's a good tackler. He has a lot of versatility. He's a special teams ace. He was Joe's 30th ranked player on the Bengals going into the season last year. He is a font of energy. He's got a motor that just doesn't quit. 
He's, uh, again, I've mentioned this a few times now, really solid tackler. At times he can play, he can get a little bit lost in coverage, and you'd have to see if that can improve with more practice time with the first-team defense. He's a little bit limited. He doesn't have top-end, top-end athleticism. You're not talking about a Derwin James kind of athlete out there. But he definitely has a functional athleticism to play solid football in the NFL. So in terms of overall profile for Fedulum, a special teamer, good backup. Whether he could be a long-term starter, I think there's a lot of, well, we need to see a lot more from him. But PFF wants to see more of him. If you go look at uh, the PFF article history on Clayton Fedulum, you'll see that they think that he's a player they'd like to see a lot more of in 2019. And we'll see if the Bengals do any of that big safety kind of stuff. Three safeties on the field, big dime kind of packages. Haven't heard of any of that yet in training camp. Sounds like they're doing some traditional 4-2-5 nickel. Not playing much dime, if any. So we'll have to keep an eye on that as the season goes on. The next player on the list is Trayvon Henderson. Henderson was a five-year player at the University of Hawaii, where he was a captain in 2017. Didn't make it to the regular season, however, when he suffered a torn ACL in his right knee after having an interception in the fourth quarter of the preseason finale against Indianapolis, which is, I think, just about the worst case scenario for any young undrafted player trying to make the team. Luckily for Henderson, it kept him around for a year, got him another shot on the Bengals roster in 2019. And at the moment, I would say he's competing with the undrafted free agent Tyree Cannell, the undrafted free agent Demetrius Cox, and last year's, sorry, two years ago, six-round pick Brandon Wilson for that fourth safety spot. Henderson, in last preseason, played pretty well, grading out overall at a 68.8, according to Pro Football Focus. He did have some issues in coverage, you could say, but he only gave up three catches on six targets, for a total of 35 yards. He did have one missed tackle, however, out of eight attempts, so that is always going to hurt you in PFF system, but overall, graded pretty well in run defense, pretty well in tackling, and just about average in coverage, and this is coming mostly, if not entirely, against second teamers. He did have quite a few snaps in the preseason, however, on special teams and excelled there, grading out at an 80.8 overall. So Henderson was a special team standout for the Bengals last year in the preseason, and that's his ticket to making the team. And that's where he's going to really be competing with the back of the roster and Brandon, Brandon Wilson, who's actually the next player on the list, who we heard getting some praise from Bengals coaches just a couple days ago for just his speed. So not a ton to say about Trayvon Henderson. He's fighting to be a backup safety amongst four guys for one job. Has potential as a special teamer in particular. Uh, Had 22 passes defense in college, so has some track record of ball skills. And at his pro day, he tested out to be an 81st percentile athlete, according to RAS, with an elite vertical and nearly elite agility and broad jump and at least above average speed. The speed is really the weakness of his game for somebody who's six foot 208, but for a free safety, he's not really that undersized, and that's where you would have to play in the NFL. He's now listed at 205. So with those gifts, he has the ability athletically to play in the NFL, and then it's a question of whether this undrafted free agent can carve out a role for himself with the new coaching staff in Cincinnati. 
I wish him the best of luck. And I am very interested to see actually how the back end of the safety competition shakes out with the speedy and skilled return man, Brandon Wilson, also part of that competition. I think he has a leg up just because of his return abilities. That's going to about do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Tomorrow, Joe and I are back together with a special guest from The Ringer. We're looking forward to that one. While you're here listening to the outro, I want to tell you about the new Locked On NFL show. still has the expert, Matt Williamson, a former NFL scout and new host, Brian Peacock. Check out Locked On NFL if you need some more NFL podcasts in your life or a daily national podcast on all things NFL with a former scout's take on the game. Remember to find the podcast on the Himalaya Podcast app. Google, iTunes, Spotify, you name it, we're there. Until next time, Bengals fans, have a good one.